For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and welcome back to our readout videos based on our Wednesday Wake Up newsletter, including our friends in Zimbabwe. And now let me remind everyone everywhere that if you're watching the videos but you're not yet signed up for the weekly email, please do so we can keep in touch, including if we get deplatformed, which could happen. For instance, with so much needing to be discussed on climate change, the latest contribution to free and open debate online from YouTube and its parent Google is to demonetize sites that offer alternatives to global warming orthodoxy. They haven't done us yet, so shh, don't give them any ideas, but just in case, we're also on Rumble as Climate DN. What a time to pick. Just as there's this unfolding energy disaster in the UK and Europe that's heading for North America, a disaster climate advocates fail to see coming because they spend too much time in an echo chamber where deniers are evil skunks not worthy of being listened to, YouTube decides we need more echoes. There is a certain irony in the fact that people who ridicule climate deniers should themselves exhibit plain signs of the much-deplored psychological mechanism called denial, including belligerence. For instance, a viewer alerted us that one of our own videos was preceded by a hectoring trailer for something called, Is My Microphone On?, in which children who know about as much about climate science as they do about the Panov-Botvinnik attack berate adults as stupid, callous, and ignorant. Not the ideal way to win friends and influence people. And especially not at the precise moment that this energy crisis currently heading for Canada calls, to my mind at least, the Hemingway character explaining that he went broke two ways, gradually and then suddenly. This crisis has been decades in the making through misguided policy, and now it's on us. The International Energy Agency just warned that the gas crisis is spilling into oil markets, and one Canadian conservative advocate of drinking the green Kool-Aid tweeted glibly, it's a goofy world. No, it's not. It's a world you and your kind called into existence and now can't recognize. Some outfit called the Institute for Energy Economics and Financial Analysis conceded that the phrase energy crisis, quote, evokes nearly forgotten images of gasoline cues in the 1970s, end quote. But then it said, while, quote, a handful of commentators eagerly lay the blame on renewable energy, a sober analysis suggests that today's energy price crunch has nothing to do with renewables, end quote. Man, if that's sobriety, you need a belt of 90-proof old reality. And so does Mark Carney, who recently said in an interview that, quote, climate change is an existential threat, but if you're making investments, coming up with new technologies, changing the way you do business, all in service of reducing and eliminating that threat, you will be rewarded. Those who are still lagging behind and are still part of the problem will be punished, end quote. Well, yeah, those collecting subsidies for alternative energy have been rewarded by people like Carney. But consumers are getting hammered. Because all this arm-waving about breakthrough technologies just isn't being matched on the ground. As Rex Murphy wrote in the National Post, quote, The inevitable collision between 30 years of global warming hyperactivism, the howling demonization of available proven energy resources, and reality is upon us, end quote. Gradually, then suddenly, just in time for what he calls, quote, the 26th gathering of doomsday professionals known as COP26, end quote, in Glasgow. But he warns for the rest of us, quote, winter is coming and the grim iceberg is heading toward the great ship, end quote. And now, a word from our sponsor. And that's you. Because at the Climate Discussion Nexus, we're dependent upon support from our viewers and our readers. Please go to our donate page, make a one-time pledge, or if you can, a monthly one. I'm not talking a lot of money, though. If you've got it, we'll take it. $2 a month, $3, $5. That's the sustaining funding that we need to produce these videos on our newsletter. 
And now, back to me. Others chose this moment to say, look, the models work. Honest, they do. Including journalists chittering that this year's Nobel Prize in Physics went to Sirkuru Manabe, Klaus Hasselmann, and Giorgio Parisi for, NBC rushed to tell us, quote, work that helps understand complex physical systems such as Earth's changing climate. Manabe and Hasselman were awarded jointly for the physical modeling of the climate, quantifying variability, and reliably predicting global warming, end quote. Reliably? Really? Strange that it should happen, just as Judith Curry observes in a post IPCC AR6 breaking the hegemony of global climate models, end quote, the IPCC itself is backing away slowly from the overheated models and accompanying rhetoric. National Geographic is all in and then some. Quote, three scientists received the Nobel Prize in Physics on Tuesday for work that is essential to understanding how the Earth's climate is changing, pinpointing the effect of human behavior on those changes, and ultimately predicting the impact of global warming, end quote. Whoa, pinpointing. That's even better than attribution science. But as Curry notes, back in 2007, the IPCC's AR4 said, quote, there is considerable confidence that climate models provide credible quantitative estimates of future climate change, particularly at continental scales and above, end quote. But already by 2013 in AR5, they were tiptoeing away from the computers. And by this year, knowing the models run way too hot, they're looking at actual historical data instead. What a breakthrough. Facts. Or not. Because now we note, sadly, the triumph of one effort by the authorities to shut down open discussion on climate just when it's most needed. Australia's High Court just ruled unanimously that James Cook University was not wrong to fire Peter Ridd under its code of conduct for exercising his academic freedom by criticizing colleagues' alarmist claims on the Great Barrier Reef. If you're a young academic in Australia, the message is clear. Stay with the herd or be devoured. But it's liable to prove a pyrrhic victory because of its negative impact on public confidence in the competence and even the sincerity of university search for truth that most people think is their whole reason for existing. The High Court had the gall to affirm Ridd's intellectual freedom before affirming JCU's right to fire him for using it, which might harm their credibility too. In Jennifer Marahazi's unexpectedly poetic phrase, quote, For the High Court, it seems that intellectual freedom is like a delicate flower that does not survive being plucked. It can be contemplated from afar, but cannot be held or given as a gift, end quote. Now, we're delighted to report that Ridd has said he's going to continue to work with Australia's Institute of Public Affairs, which helped fundraise for his court challenge, and with other groups devoted to freedom of speech and academic freedom. And he's going to do so without pay. But most of us, including most academics, do not have that luxury, and the dean and the activists know it. In the newsletter, we also note an especially odd feature in National Geographic that begins, quote, Not long ago, Nature reported a disturbing study of the world's youth, a survey of 10,000 people aged 16 to 25 from 10 representative countries for their feelings about climate change. Some 75% said the future is frightening. According to the study, 46% of young Americans and 56% of youth worldwide think that humanity is doomed. Leave aside for now whether the forecast is accurate. Isn't it heartbreaking that so many young people believe it, end quote? Leave aside whether it's accurate? No thanks, that's the whole point. Jesting Pilot might shrug off the question, but we say if the forecast is inaccurate, it's heartbreaking that so many young people have been force-fed it for so long that they're depressed, panicky, and afraid to have kids. And we blame National Geographic and its ilk for doing it to them. 
Now, in an effort to undo some of the harm, we note that it's been a mild fall in Ontario and much of North America, and that Weatherbell Analytics gets to say told you so because they predicted it back in May. But now, Weatherbell says North America generally, and the Great Lakes in particular, are in for a somewhat cold and very snowy winter, just in time for the coming energy shortage, which is depressing, but the good news is the planet is not on fire, as Bill Nye would have you believe. And if further bad news is that the people in charge are fools, well, on the plus side, surely we're all encouraging young people to challenge authority rather than parrot official dogma. Aren't we? If so, they could start with this item, again, just in time for a brutal winter. No Trick Zone reports a new study in The Lancet that confirms, yet again, that cold weather kills far more people than hot weather. In a study of 65 million deaths in nine large countries with 29% of the world's population, in 2019, 356,000 deaths were attributable to heat and 1.337 million, nearly four times as many, to cold. In high-income countries, it's 19 times as many. So if we ever get around to creating CDN swag, how about t-shirts that say, Global Warming Saves Lives? Another thing we want to highlight, though it runs against our general dislike of manipulating past climate data, because when they get at the temperature readings, they always seem to cool the past, heat the present, and manufacture a warming trend, is that a group of authors recently noted that Atlantic hurricane records might be distorted because before we had aircraft and satellite monitoring, fewer storms got noticed or measured. So they tried to infill and found that there's really been no upward trend in the number or severity. Imagine the relief with which NBC and National Geographic will rush this use to the weeping youth of today. Guys? Waiting. Hey, what's this? Instead, courtesy of Paul Homewood, not a lot of people know that, we discover that NOAA has deleted a web page that up until recently showed that the occurrence of medium and stronger tornadoes in the US has not increased since the 1950s and the count of strong tornadoes has actually gone down. And they've replaced it with something that shows an increase because, drumroll please, it doesn't correct for the coming of Doppler radar that started finding smaller storms. Apparently, this approach is called believing the science. But if you dare to disagree, even in this age of deplatforming, please subscribe to our newsletter, forward it to friends and colleagues, and encourage them to do the same. Join us on Rumble as well as on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and help us keep challenging orthodoxy, including on the reliability of models, for instance, with our latest crystal ball video on the supposedly authoritative 2000 U.S. National Climate Assessment, whose predictions were about as good as monkeys throwing darts a practice we do not encourage. But do throw money. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson.